0: Thank <laughs> you. Welcome to Guerrilla Radio recorded November 22nd, 2023. Well, this assault being waged against human decency in Palestine is a test, a test to gauge how much atrocity we watching will countenance what we've allowed befall others in Yugoslavia and Afghanistan, Libya, Somalia, Yemen, Syria, Ukraine, and elsewhere has metastasized becoming finally the full blown horror of Gaza. And it's a horror that will if we allow it continue over there in due course return to be visited upon us as well. So why is it aloud time and again, and who profits this belittlement of humanity? Kathy Kelly is a longtime peace and justice activist, essayist, author, and recipient of numerous awards for her peace service, including multiple nominations for the Nobel Peace Prize. Kathy's book titles include Prisoners on Purpose, A Peacemaker's Guide to Jails and Prison, and Other Lands Have Dreams, From Baghdad to Pekin Prison. These days, she's serving as board president at World Beyond War, where, among other things, she's been busy coordinating the November 2023 Merchants of Death War Crimes Tribunal. The Tribunal launched Sunday, November 12th, with the first segment examining the wanton and repeated criminality of the destruction of Gaza. Kathy Kelly in the first half and for the last six weeks millions have gathered in cities and towns across the world to express their collective outrage at what is happening right now in Palestine and in an effort to pressure their respective governments to demand Israel stop its indefensible destruction of Gaza and its people. Victoria, British Columbia is no different, where. Every week since Israel's onslaught began, citizens have come to the legislative buildings seat of the provincial government to raise their voices against the statuary and granite facades in hopes of moving their representatives. Soundscapes from the Palestine Solidarity Manifestations in the second half. But first, Kathy Kelly and trying the profiteers at 2023's Merchants of Death War Crimes Tribunal. Well, welcome back to the program, Kathy. Thank you. Well, well, Kathy, now I, I've been at this a quarter of a century, and, and I can't remember during all the wars and horror transpiring since a time I felt less hopeful of the prospects of survival, of humanity's humaneness. The Merchants of Death War Crimes Tribunal launched Sunday, November 12th, with the first segment, fittingly, uh, about the repeated aerial bombardment of Gaza what, Kathy,
1: did those that didn't tune in, what have they missed? Well, I think that we are in a continuum in trying to put hold accountable the merchants of death, in the sense that um, long before you and I were ever around to be conscious of it, the uh, people following World War One in both Europe and the United States were enraged over what they'd been more or less uh, hoodwinked into the industrial slaughter of World War I. And there was a strong anti-war movement in the United States and in Europe. And uh, somebody wrote a book called Merchants of Death. The Senate in the United States held over 100 hearings trying to bring about what we're working on right now, which is ways to hold accountable the people who made enormous profits in that war. But because they... Have such a complicated web of profiteering and lobbying and control over elected officials. it's very, very difficult to dislodge the overwhelming influence what President Eisenhower had called the unwarranted influence when he told people to beware of the military-industrial complex. So so with the Gaza, Segment and each of these segments is available online. It, it's okay, I'm glad you were at a Gaza demonstration when this was aired on the November 12th time. But um, each segment can be watched online successively. So we focused on, after Christian Sorensen pointed out, the U.S. weapons going to Israel to continue their incredible. Um, slaughter of people in Gaza. Uh, We then looked at the 2009 Operation Cast Lead in much much more detail and showed how that couldn't have been possible without the weapons that came from Boeing, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, and certainly General Dynamics. Now we also think about the drone warfare and are very conscious of General Atomics. And the next segment, which has been released is about Syria and the aerial bombardment that the US waged against Syria. And uh, then following that, a segment on Somalia, and then we'll kind of go through each week a different country, Afghanistan, Iraq, Yemen. It's a sad listing. And then on December 3rd, there will be an online sort of meetup when people can come together and ask questions and interact online as was possible on that November 12th launch. We introduced the jurors who come from all over the world, and um, we also sort of presented to people how they can stay in touch with this process. And constantly we want to emphasize actions people can take, like serving a subpoena to one of these military corporations or holding a die-in or reading the names of victims.
0: And that is at merchantsofdeath.org. You can go there and and access what Kathy's talking about. When you mentioned Kathy, Cass led in 2009, there's been one every couple of years in Gaza and as well as all the other uh, uh, concomitant places around the world that these big companies are making a killing in every manner. And this idea that one leads to the other is something that's been preying on my mind. And I, and I, allude to it in the introduction, in that every time we, uh, whose governments and the corporations who reside within largely our countries, carry out these atrocities, it's almost, it seems to me, as though they're daring us to stop them. And when we don't, it just stair steps up to to the next level of atrocity and the next and the next and the next. Until now, what we're seeing in Gaza is the, the entire erasure, it seems to me, of the population of Gaza and the, the idea being, it seems, to push the population into Egypt and in places elsewhere and perhaps in the West Bank as well. What about this idea that we're being tested?
1: Well, I mean, not only are people being tested and in terrible, terrible ways, uh, which spiral ever more toward uh, bitterness and death, and long-term trauma but also you know weapons are being tested and on display for marketing purposes which is a pretty hideous thought and you know the fact that this has been going on for so long is very much on my mind because you know the united states bore tremendous responsibility for enormous cruelty toward the people of vietnam we forced people to go and burrow under the ground and live in tunnels and use those tunnels for refuge and also to stage their capacity for military fights against the United States. And uh, actually, the tunnels did give an edge to Vietnam uh, Vietnamese fighters fighting the United States. And so the U.S. war planners, they kind of got into their mode of figuring out, well, how do we make sure that the, a tunnel Uh, capacity can get blown up, and they developed the paveway bombs, sometimes nicknamed bunker busters. And then the history moves on, the terrible killing of at least 400 people in the Amariya shelter, where the United States claimed Saddam Hussein had a military installation, but it was a shelter for neighborhood people where they bought their children to sleep safely overnight in February of 1991, 400 of those children and other civilians were more or less melted when the bunker buster went through the Achilles heel of that shelter. It it immediately expelled 17 people right out of the shelter. And then a second bomb came and the force of that bomb caused the pipes to um, cascade boiling water down on the sleeping innocent people. Then the United States wanted to bomb the tunnel networks, which the U.S. had constructed for the Mujahideen in the Hindu Kush mountains when they were fighting the Soviets. They believed the Taliban might be using those tunnels. And so in uh, 2017, the U.S. used this, uh, what they nicknamed the mother of all bombs, a massive ordnance air blast. And it's the strongest weapon short of a nuclear bomb in the nuclear arsenal. They used it in this remote area in the Nangarhar province of Afghanistan. And uh, to this day, the contamination is so terrible. People can't grow their crops and they, they, they're covered with bumps and rashes when they say that they're afflicted by a disease related to the use of that bomb. I think forcing people underground, uh, creating... Settings wherein it's almost as predictable as can be that they'll try to get their hands on weapons, as Hamas certainly does, is wrongful. I'm against the development, storage, sale, and use of any bomb anywhere. But I do think we have to pay attention to what is underneath the Negev desert, 53 miles away from Gaza. And that is a huge storage and development center for nuclear weapons. Israel won't admit to it, but it's been proven that they now have 80 at least 80 thermonuclear weapons and
0: you you put out an article so so fresh i received it just minutes before we went on air tunnels for safety and tunnels for death and i'm assuming that the the latter refers to uh the uh, israel's uh, shimon peres negev nuclear research center where they are reputed to store their nuclear
1: weapons uh, out there in the in the desert and how ironic that Shimon Peres received the Nobel Peace Prize and then they name their nuclear development center after Shimon Peres. And of course now Saudi Arabia wants the nuclear weapon and they want to normalize relations If that with Israel if that means that the United States will give a green light for the technology and maybe Israel will supply some of that technology, I don't know. But they, they, the Saudis definitely want to acquire nuclear weaponry. So we, the, the Middle East, is turning into a cauldron. Uh, it's just pushing. Talk about testing, Chris. It's pushing and pushing the envelope toward annihilation. And there's very little mention of any of this in in our media. I long for the hostages to be freed, but really, people with nuclear weapons hold the whole world hostage.
0: It seems obvious what's happening in, uh, and it's beginning to leak out onto the, made the so named mainstream news. uh, And and there is some pushback, it seems uh, from CNN and other big outlets in Canada. The CBC is still focusing. I listened to a report just this morning on on the hostages, the Israeli hostages uh, and not mentioning what's going on in Gaza, save that there, the war continues, is what they call the war, where in fact what it is is, is basically a, a carpet bombing campaign carried out by a, a military behemoth against a, a, a practically defenseless civilian population with some fighters in the form of Hamas buried deep underground in their tunnel networks. What, this is what we're being presented with right now. You in your article, though, I wanted to mention the tunnels for safety and tunnels for death. You begin by talking, uh, quoting Professor Mustafa Abu Sway, and, and he's talking about what struck him most poignantly was an image of a child's arm coming out, buried in rubble, uh, extending out. But it wasn't the hand of a dead child, but of a living child, as it turns out, desperately trying to dig it, dig themselves out from under this this rubble. I mean, uh, uh, unbelievable suffering, and the average age I've read of the people killed in Gaza right now stands at five years of age. This is de- a war against the future uh, as, by, as can only be assumed as by design.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that arms will ache for loved ones in Israel whose loved ones will never return. It's true equally in Gaza. It's true equally in the West Bank. You know, I remember Holland Caldecott at the height of the Cold War said there are no communist children. There are no capitalist children. There are just children. And could we all at least agree to that, that punishing the children is always wrongful, no matter who does it? You can't hold those children accountable for the actions of the adults. But I feel, I feel such e- enormous disappointment in the idea of only two US senators having been willing to call for a ceasefire, Senator Durbin and then Senator Merkley. What a travesty that leaders of the world have not responded to the massive demonstrations happening and with great consistency all around the world. You know, the people of ordinary average people can see this is hideous. and And of course, it's going to entrench further bitterness and uh, make it all the more difficult ever to find a way for peoples to live together uh, on the part of both those who've lost loved ones in Gaza and in the West Bank and in Israel. But if we don't find ways to build peaceful, negotiated, diplomatic, fair, and just settlements, if we don't find ways to give people the land that's been stolen from them, And to, you know, reconstruct in ways that can enhance the possibility to live together, then there's just a certain continuation and always pushing toward doom, especially when we've got ecological collapse to deal with as well. And the possibilities of um, needing much more collaboration amongst people because of spreads of disease and pandemics. And those diseases and
0: pandemics we can expect to be breaking out in Gaza, too. The weather is changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, supplies of uh, fresh water and everything are almost non-existent. I, I don't know how people are surviving at all, but I, I, I fully expect cholera and the other diseases that go along with this this kind of uh, uh, deprivation and uh, exposure to be coming uh, to be breaking out at any time and and the kind of death that that brings with it We you know what's often forgotten here uh, not mentioned in the crisis of the moment and rightly so what's happening right now in gaza but gaza has been a- almost unlivable the united nations has been filing reports year in and year out now these past 5 years saying gaza is is quickly moving towards a place of um uh, uh, t- unlivability. This is before all of this happened. Uh, uh, already, we seem to forget the kind of conditions that the Gazans have been uh, subjected to, and Palestinians generally. Where we see the West Bank is becoming more and more frightening every day, with mm-hmm. people being killed by mobs and so forth. There, but we see we tend to forget what what the Palestinian people have suffered
1: already. Well, you know, I was in the Al Shifa Hospital in two thousand nine, following the operation cast lead and there was a doctor there he was actually a a plastic surgeon but he had an administrative role and he he was shaking he was just so aggrieved and he said can you imagine for 22 days the world watched and did nothing and then he took a phone call and it was from farmers whose orange groves had been destroyed by G9 bulldozers that had come across the border, Israeli bulldozers manufactured by Caterpillar. And as they came across, they sprayed. Well, it must have been something like white phosphorus because the farmers said when they picked up the oranges they were trying to salvage, their hands got terribly itchy and there was a white coating on the fruit. And so the doctor said, you know, really, we don't know what all was used against us, but throw those oranges away and wash your hands. And, You know, then later we learned about the ravages of these dense, inert metal explosives that that slice off limbs so that they can't possibly have any hope of repairing people. And then the Operation Cast Lead invasion, 30 years later, recurred in 2013. Well, imagine these children who, in their young lives, have experienced this kind of invasion from air, land, and sea. They've experienced the deprivation of their parents not being able to work and provide for them. They become dependent on what can be gotten through tunnels underground. Imagine these children wanting to somehow align themselves with some means of protection. So, of course, Hamas is going to have a future, Uh, Do the Israelis think that their young people wouldn't try to protect their land? And again, I want to say uh, such a strong word of appreciation for those like combatants for peace, Israeli and Palestinian former fighters who've aligned together and said, we want to try to speak to people about some new way forward. I, I believe in that. But I also can recognize The trauma, the little boy that I got to know in 2009 when the ceasefire was declared, Mustafa must have been about five. And he he would imitate a fighter plane and run around in circles and then dive into his father's lap as though he was a nosediving bomber plane and laugh and laugh and laugh. Well, he became a young father himself. And the second day of the Israeli onslaught against Gaza, the aerial bombing, Mustafa died As he slept because his house crashed down on him after a fighter plane hit that house. Well, what will his children think Oh, his spouse, his mother, his father?
0: well if you've just tuned in you're listening to guerrilla radio i'm speaking today with kathy kelly kathy is board president of world beyond war and co-coordinator of the merchants of death war crimes tribunal carrying on and you go to merchants of to find out more about that kathy's most recent article i mean really recent like fresh off the presses and i put it up at kathy at my guerrilla radio blogspot blog site but it pre it uh, it premiered uh, at the progressive uh, progressive.org and that is tunnels for safety and tunnels for death uh, i mentioned that you quoted professor mustafa abu Sway in that and you also quote uh, you know speaking of this child the photograph of this child's hand coming out of the uh, subsurface after being buried alive and, and he also reminds that in gaza a child there now is dying every 10 minutes because of this it really beggars us to hold peace in our hearts and and not become prisoners of this cycle of hatred Mm -hmm. and violence dom helder camara wrote become an expert in the art of discovering the good in every person no one is entirely bad become an expert in the art of finding the truthful core in views of every kind the human mind abhors Total error, error, and that is in a book called "Peacemaking Day by Day." It's put out. It's a Christian tract. Kathy, you've been involved with the Catholic Church for a very long time. How does your religious belief and uh, adherence color the work that you do?
1: Well, oh, thank you. Because you know, Dom Helder Camara was one of the true bishops in the Catholic Church. He was in symbol of unity, uniting himself with the poorest of the poor. He wouldn't leave his country. Uh, he and Pedro Castel Daliga. Uh, in, in almost any circumstances, they would say, "No, we have to stay with our people who are battered and um, enfeebled by by greed and war." I I think that Pope Francis spoke yesterday, perhaps about the you know to avoid a mountain of dead bodies, and and this is the responsibility of every person who assumes any kind of faith-based leadership, to call for, without any reservations, no excuses, ceasefires in the face of every war, and then do the things that make for peace. And that really does require people going into their congregations, whether it's a mosque or a synagogue or a Quaker meeting or a Catholic church, and making sure that people are pursuing the hard road of education, education, education. Uh, Can it happen? Well, you know, can we survive if it doesn't happen? But young people, young people are, I think, bringing a new faith into our world, a faith that they can survive the ecological collapse they face if they strive together to build a new world. And those same young people are filling the uh, sit-ins, the teach-ins, the uh, roadside activities, the massive demonstrations. And so uh, follow the young people. I think we can draw great hope from them.
0: Yeah, I mentioned that there's been demonstrations in my town, Victoria, weekly, and, and it's continuing. Uh, as this goes on, the numbers have been huge and then not so huge. Uh, but it's been impressive that there's a strong representation of young people, a new generation for like a graybeard like myself, to see that uh, there's new uh, new blood coming into this, and they're taking, uh, taking charge. One of the chants at these things is against our prime minister, uh, and it's calling him out for abetting, aiding and abetting this destruction we're seeing Israel commit in Gaza, calling him a war c- criminal. But I haven't heard The corporations being called out, there's a quote on the merchantsofdeath.org page by um, Cornell West saying, we render you corporations obsessed with war profiteering accountable, answerable. This idea that these people that profit most and all of their shareholders and stakeholders uh, should be held to account is is a powerful and it should be for them, I would think, a, a frightening prospect.
1: Well, we do look with great admiration toward Canada because um, World Beyond Wars organizers there, uh, Rachel Small and others, have or have gone to the, the, the corporate offices of major weapon makers and they've unfurled the banners. And um, people have been able to shut down some of these corporations, at least temporarily, in both the United States and Canada. So uh, we we do have that responsibility to... Uh, make it clear that those who are at the top echelons who are making so much money, 7% increases on Wall Street for the stocks of these major weapon corporations since October 7th, we have to make it clear that they are practicing child sacrifice, that they are engaged in one of the most primitive, repulsive, uh, reprehensible kinds of dirty action. And, you know, the idea that they would look so suave and debonair and clean is wrongful. They have blood on their hands and it is gruesome to think of the kinds of weapons that they keep designing to make their killing more and more terrifying. Well, and now the, this week's installment. Uh, and I watched the
0: video this morning. Why the U.S. military is in Syria? As you mentioned, it's going from one uh, uh, catastrophe to the next. Uh, I saw it up at uh, Rumble, so the uh, Merchants of Death Rumble site. And uh, how, Kathy, in our final minute, uh, do you recommend people getting get engaged with Merchants of Death, the Merchants of Death Tribunal, and the organization
1: generally? Well, we were very gratified that 1,760 people registered for that launch, and uh, about 525 were present online. So if people can find kindred spirits and watch these segments together and then discuss them and then think about, well, what action could we take? That is ideal. Now, I know that people are taking actions in communities, and I don't want to at all interfere with those actions, but. You know, maybe some of it can be blended together more or less as people are calling for a permanent ceasefire in Gaza to perhaps take their focus to the corporate people that are profiting off of the war right now and and um you know, just not stop. we're on a bit of a roll in a sense where the media can't ignore the massive numbers of people that are registering that they will not support Merchants of Death, that they don't want to be complicit in this. So um, please, for your listeners, uh, do just what Chris has done. Go to the website, uh, watch a segment, and then you know get some friends together, perhaps to watch it a second time, follow up with these segments, give us your feedback, and let it lead toward action. And I especially want to mention you can register at merchantsofdeath.org. And then be part of the December 3rd meetup when we'll have exchanges about what people can do and and what we haven't included that that ought to be included. And of course, that is another huge subject, uh, uranium weapons being amongst these segments that we ought to create in the future.
0: Yeah, amazing. And just getting more horrible by the day and then robots and all the rest of it. Oh. Um, you also mentioned, just in wrapping up in your article, and again, it's Tunnels for Safety and Tunnels for Death, uh, the film by Alain Resnay uh, Night and Fog, a 1956 film, and there's a quote in there that struck me, and it says, uh, in part, while war goes to sleep, but with one eye always open, even when one ends, we know that if if it's not addressed, it just leads to the next and the next and the next, as we've seen in this tragic century of ours, which has been marred by one war after the other from the very beginning until even today.
1: Well, you know, I'm so grateful to those French filmmakers and Alain Resnais because that film deeply, deeply moved me as a youngster. And I think I, I, I did think, you know, yeah, war goes to sleep with one eye open. But now as an adult, toward the end of my life, I think, war never sleeps. And that's why we have to keep both eyes open and reckon with the the horrific cost of war. But I I was so encouraged. Some Chinese filmmakers came to visit here in Chicago And uh, they're working on a film. And I mentioned that film, uh, Night and Fog. And they immediately had it on their phones and showed me uh, that they have all watched it. So the nine million dead people that haunted the countryside that Elaine Rusna's film crew walked amid, we have plenty more haunting in a sense. But I believe there is the possibility now still that people can cross borders, link arms, reach out, just like the people who rescued that little girl reached out to grab her hand and find our common cause. We are many, they are few. And we
0: have to. and We must do that as well. Again, merchantsofdeath.org. Kathy, it's always a joy to speak with you, even though the topics of our conversations are so grim.
1: I look forward to our next conversation. Thanks a lot for coming on. Thank you, Chris. We always feel accompanied by your good journalism. Thank you.
0: And I want everyone else to stay tuned because what I'm going to do now is I'm going to play some uh, some people speaking at these events in Victoria, these Gaza solidarity events that have been going on these past five weeks and more. Thanks again, Kathy. Thank you. Well, I got I got to think that we're not alone.
2: I'm sitting in my house watching all this happen, and I I've,
3: I've arrived to a point where I just can't keep my mouth shut anymore.
0: guerrilla radio you're You're not
1: not coalition superiority was overwhelming but the airmen were running out of targets late in uh, january we came to the lower part of the list
2: it wasn't high priority the bunker in the Alfredis area of baghdad
4: this was a two-weapon salvo this is not a video game
2: see where the blast and the fire be, and they were pulling bodies out. The bunker was a public air watch. On top of the water, there was about an inch of scum, a, a flash of boiled flash, of burnt flesh.
0: The bunker that was attacked last night was a military target. I lose my wife, I'm right to leave it. is that
2: fair? Nobody ask, nobody said something, some. must
1: the missile fell in the upper floor. The doors were closed because of the pressure of the bombing. The people had no way to go out. Two cold water containers as well as two boilers exploded. As in the upper floor people were burned to death, here in the lower floor people died in very high uh, degree of boiling water. Here you can see the water level which flooded the lower floor.
2: On the walls, you can see the remains of hair, of human flesh, and some parts of the body.
1: The feeling of people who were to death. Did that incident have any effect on the conduct of the war? At the risk of sounding heartless, no.
0: 19th down here at the legislature yet again in Victoria gathering um, in solidarity with Gaza this is the 6th week in a row that Victorians have come out the numbers are a little sparse today but generally that's the pattern where people show up later Uh, right about now there's 50 or 60 people wandering about it's a, a lovely cool and clear day in the distance the bagpipes play for the few tourists that remain There's uh, the local Gaza community and Arab community are generally running the show, and they've set up a PA system in front of the steps at the main portico of the legislature, and we'll listen into what they have to say this week.
2: Free,
4: free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Justin Trudeau, you can't hide! Justin
2: Trudeau, you can't hide!
4: You're committing genocide! You're committing genocide! Fire now. Cease fire now. Cease fire now.
2: Cease fire now. 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 Thank you.
4: Peace be upon you all, thank you all for joining us today. Before we begin, we would like to acknowledge and respect the Lekwungen, Songhees and Esquimalt peoples on whose territories we stand, and the Lekwungen and Wasanese peoples whose historical relationships to the land continue to this day.
5: Activists and advocates, to those who are new here, welcome to our unwavering pursuit of justice, peace and humanity for the people of Palestine. And to those returning, I welcome you back with gratitude for your enduring commitment. Your presence here, each and every one of you, is commendable and it fuels the heart of our collective cause.
4: Volunteers are actively engaging in several initiatives to promote justice and peace in Palestine. If you're passionate, we welcome you to join one of these following initiatives. We have the weekly protest that we do here at Sunday, one o'clock. Every Sunday until we get a ceasefire. Make sure you always show up to these. Never think, I'm only one person, what does it matter? One person adds up to 10, adds up to 100, adds up to thousands. So you're uh, showing up your accounts. You can also sign petitions. There are people walking around with signs like the one over there, like the one over here. Uh, with petitions, one of them ends on the 23rd and one of them ends on December 9th. They are calling for a ceasefire and calling for Israel to be held accountable for its war crimes. Make sure you sign them and when you sign them, it sends you an email to verify. If you don't check your email, you won't, the, the signature won't count. So make sure you check your email after you sign.
5: For over five consecutive weeks, We've stood united, demanding a ceasefire and an end to the siege that has dehumanized the Palestinians, (laughs) stripping them from their fundamental rights to water, fuel, and electricity. Restriction is nothing new to the Palestinians as they have endured a 16-year blockade. Yet, severing the necessities such as water, fuel, and electricity has left them vulnerable to the approaching winter season. Given Given the widespread homelessness resulting from the relentless bombing, it is evident that the current situation is unfavorable for the Palestinians. So as we stand here, we force uh, as we stand here, we will force our collective resilience to remain unyielding as we persist in raising our voices for the rights and dignity of the people of Palestine.
4: We continue to demand an immediate and complete ceasefire, opening humanitarian corridors Saving the children of Gaza, putting a complete stop to the genocide, holding Israel accountable for its war crimes, for Canada to pull its ambassador from Israel, and we demand a weapons embargo on the terrorist state, and we want to ban all Israeli imports that originate from the illegally occupied territories. And again, asking for a ceasefire is the bare minimum. Our demands extend beyond that. We are calling for immediate action to halt the atrocities and hold those responsible accountable.
5: On that note, I'd like to welcome our first speaker. Our first speaker is a Palestinian brother. His name is Mohammed Hattab.
3: Thank you. Thank you for each and every one of you for standing here today to be the voice for those silenced by the barbaric atrocities and genocide in Gaza. Over the past six weeks alone the Israeli occupation forces have perpetrated over 1,270 massacres and killed more than 12,000 innocent civilians. 70% of them are women and children. These are not just numbers, they are human beings with dreams, just like you and me. And yet, Justin Trudeau has not called for a ceasefire. Can you believe this? Well, let me remind you, Mr. Prime Minister, let me remind you that Yesterday marked the first anniversary for a promise and a commitment made by over 80 countries, including the US, the UK, and Canada, to protect civilians from the humanitarian consequences of explosive weapons in populated areas. So my question to you, Mr. Prime Minister, is what have you done so far to protect Children in Gaza, one of the most densely populated areas on Earth. Yay. Yay. Why haven't you already? Why haven't you yet demanded a ceasefire? If that, if that is not cowardness, hypocrisy and double standard, then please tell us what it is. Yay. Yay. Did you know know, Mr. Prime Minister that the Israeli occupation forces have dropped over 25,000 tons of explosives on Gaza in less than four weeks? That's the equivalent to two nuclear bombs. Did you know that right now in Gaza there are over 30,000 innocent civilians injured 70% of them 75% of them are women and children. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know? Did you know that over 3750 innocent civilians right now are missing in Gaza under the rubble? Yeah. 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 Including 1800 children right now yeah. under the rubble. Yeah. How would you feel if you were one of those children's parents? What if I told you, Mr. Prime Minister, that the United Nations has described the current situation in Gaza as a living nightmare and a graveyard for children? A graveyard for children! Can you believe this? Did you know that the number of children killed in Gaza in less than one month, exceeded the number of children killed in conflict zones around the world, each year, since 2019? Is that not enough for you to call for a ceasefire? What more are you waiting for? So far, the WHO, the World Health Organization, has verified 152 Attacks on health care in Gaza. This is the verified number. God knows what the actual number is.
2: Save. 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 Save.
3: The, the, the chief of the WHO said the current health system in Gaza is near collapse, with two thirds of hospitals out of operation, with no fuel, no electricity, no clean water, and no food. Up to 200 women are giving birth in Gaza every single day in the worst imaginable conditions. Even premature babies without functioning incubators, without oxygen, without electricity are continuing to die according to the WHO. Just a few days ago, all ICU patients in in Gaza's largest hospital, Ashifa, died because of the Israeli occupation forces' raids on the hospital. A WHO team that inspected the hospital yesterday, yesterday described it as a death zone. So far, 1.7 million people in Gaza have been already, have already been internally displaced. This is not the first time. The first expulsion took place in 1948, and the second one was in 1967. I stand before you today, not just as a speaker, but also as someone with a personal connection to the suffering in Palestine. A few, a few decades ago, my parents' entire families, from both sides, were ethnically cleansed and forcibly expelled from their Palestinian homes at the hands of the settler colony of Israel. And now as the third expulsion is unfolding, we cannot just watch, we cannot allow this dark history to repeat itself. So, we are standing here today to demand an immediate ceasefire with opening for humanitarian corridors for relief aid and just life-saving supplies. (laughs) This is not about politics, it's not. This is about humanity. It's about saying enough is enough. Enough Enough is enough. The time for silence is over. The time for action is now. Stop the genocide. Stop the killing. And cease fire now. Thank you.
2: Fire now. Cease 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 fire now. Cease
4: fire now. Cease fire now. Cease fire now. Cease fire now. Cease fire now. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Mohammed, for that talk. Shame on Trudeau, and shame on any MP who is not calling for a ceasefire right now at this moment. War criminals, that's right.
5: How many of you right now feel cold? How many of your hands are cold? How many of us are just, you know, cold because it's cold outside right now? Right? We are safe knowing that after this protest, we're going to go home and we're going to get warmed up. Most of the people in Palestine right now, as winter is approaching are not gonna find that comfort. They're gonna be stuck outside, if they're lucky, under a tent. Whether it's raining, whether it's windy, whatever the weather it is, they're going to be stuck outside in that. And our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is complicit in this genocide and in their active suffering. I want to welcome our third speaker. Her name is Maryam, she is a grade 12 student. Imagine your water.
6: Electricity, Wi-Fi being snatched away from you. Your house is rubble. You don't even have a place to live in anymore. And you can't even go to the hospital or go to school because of the risk of being bombed at any moment. Imagine your fundamental human rights being taken away from you. Unfortunately, this is the reality Palestinians are suffering through every day, right now. All of us living in Canada are so privileged to go to sleep, not worrying whether we will wake up in the morning. Palestinian parents are writing their children's names on their bodies so that they could be identified after death. Imagine how that feels as a parent doing that to your child. The suffering of Palestinians should not even be a debate. This is straight-up genocide and ethnic cleansing, and the world is failing to hold Israel accountable for their war crimes. Yeah. Yeah. It isn't self-defense when you're going into hospitals and killing any patient that looks alive. It isn't self-defense when you're putting, in, when you're putting bombs in areas Hamas aren't even in. It isn't self-defense to kill over 13,000 Palestinians in just over a month. It is simply evil and it needs to stop. A ceasefire is needed right now to help the people of Gaza. The damaging violence against the civilians needs to stop and there needs to be humanitarian aid sent to them. I used to drink Starbucks very often. I would have it almost every day. But when I found out Starbucks supports the the violent occupation of Israel, I realized the money I'm spending for a $7 coffee is not worth contributing to the ongoing genocide of Palestinians. The people of Gaza need help more than you need a Starbucks coffee. And boycotting has been working. A few closed down in America, so we just need to keep it up and inform others around us so that they stop supporting as well most of the people most of the world is with us now with Palestine protests with large crowds are happening all over the world but somehow Justin Trudeau hasn't opened his eyes wide enough to the violent atrocities being committed so we won't stop We'll keep showing up here until they hear our voices. Finally start gaining some human decency. And until Justin Trudeau officially calls for a ceasefire to finally end the suffering of Palestinian people. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Sister Maryam.
5: As we can see here, a lot of the speakers that came up today is a part of the youth the younger generation because we refuse to be lied to. Canada themselves had a whole entire extermination, an ethnic cleansing, a genocide of the indigenous people on this land. And we understand and know that no one knows and understands the pain of the Palestinians other than the, other than the Palestinians themselves, is the indigenous people on this land. Those who experience this this atrocious process of ethnic cleansing and a genocide themselves. And mind you, it wasn't too long ago. I know they try to trick us and tell us, oh, we did this in the past, this is an old mistake. It was very recent. The most recent uh, residential school was not closed 100 years ago, less than 40, 30 years ago. I'd like to welcome 1996, that less than 30 years ago. That's embarrassing. Shame, indeed, it is a shame. It is a colonial country. We live on colonial, we are settlers on this land. And unfortunately, we're told every single September, now we're gonna have a Truth and Reconciliation Day. We're gonna remind ourselves the mistakes that we made as we continue to have these same issues be replicated outside of this country. It is a performance. It is a performance. I'd I'd like to lastly introduce our last speaker, Gina from the indigenous community. She's going to sing us a song from her culture.
7: Yeah. <laughs> Will Psimwutsin Gant Lucziwas Will Sewitwi Amasas Nisam Power to Palestine And just thank you for those words. Um, as indigenous people here, we're with you. We're with the Palestinian people, we're with you. Um, we know We know this violent history and this violent present, and what we fight for is a future free from it. Um, As Native people, we know that if we resisted, if we were forced to resist in the way that Palestine has been forced to resist, we would be met with the exact same fate. We know that. And even us, all of us here, we know that when we go to our homelands, And we just be on our territories, we're met with militarized resistance, just existing as a native person. And our resistance against these colonial regimes of violence and genocide are connected. We have constellations of resistance that go back hundreds of years and go forward hundreds of years. And everyone who is here, we just talked about this at the other uh, rally, but what brought you here, that's your compass to justice. Don't deny it. Don't deny that humanity that you feel that brought you here, the anger, the hurt, the sadness, the devastation. Don't turn away. You know, when we see these uh, genocides taking place for our people and people around the world, we need to look at who benefits from that. There's always a cost. Living within settler colonialism and white supremacy, there's always a cost. And it is always the indigenous people And so for all of us living in these systems, we have to look at who is benefiting. Am I benefiting? What am I willing to give up and sacrifice? (laughs) I'm going to sacrifice. Okay, sorry. Uh, We're going to sing a song. Sorry, I started rambling. Um, We're going to sing a song. It's called the Constitution Express Song. Uh, This song came out of the, uh, uh, in 1990, Trudeau, the past Trudeau, was they were patriating the Constitution, and uh, we resisted to get our rights recognized here, and uh, so we're gonna sing that song. Sorry. <laughs>
5: people had after their ethnic cleansing was an apology from the grandchildren that lived in this country. Palestinians deserve more than a, uh, than an apology from Netanyahu's grandchildren. They deserve their rights and their freedoms to be. So as as we come to an end in this rally we're gonna go on our march. Uh, we just want to remind you guys that our collective goal is explicit. To heighten awareness, call for justice, and champion for the cause of peace. Let's articulate our, prote- our perspectives peacefully, steering clear from confrontations. Don't talk to anyone that comes up to the, pr- to the protest. A sincere appreciation goes to the police and their commitment to ensuring everyone's safety. Collaborate with the law enforcement as necessary, fostering unity amongst us, and engage in peaceful chants. Always bear in mind the potency of our collective voice. Together, let's ensure that today is impactful and resonates with our solidarity. Free, free Palestine! 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 Free, free
4: Palestine! Palestine. We're going to start the march now. I want you all to follow me when I start walking. (laughs) <laughs> free, free, free Palestine,
2: free, free Palestine, free, free Palestine. Palestine. Gaza, <laughs> <laughs> Gaza, don't you cry. Palestine will never die. Gaza, Gaza, don't you cry. Palestine will never die. Palestine, activity, Palestine, Cease fire now! Cease fire now! Cease fire now! Cease fire now! Cease fire now!
0: Cease fire now! Cease
2: fire now! Cease fire now!
0: So with that, another of these rallies that have become a weekly fixture will begin to march up Government Street. Cease
2: fire now! Cease fire now!
0: And as said, the Canadian government has so far not called for a ceasefire and has not criticized Israel.
2: Ceasefire Ceasefire!